Bibles now to the Gospel of Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. We'll read it from verses 24 to 30, Mark 7, 24 to 30. Let's read God's Word. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into an house, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman, whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him, and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. So far, the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Things to us, such as breaking of bread, casting out demons, what is clean and what is unclean. And then in this context that we find our passage this evening, Christ has been rebuking the Pharisees for how they live in our religion, but they were not living a faithful religion in their hearts. They were living the practice outwardly, but not living truly in their hearts. Then they, he addresses the theme of impurity, or what is considered to be unclean by the Pharisees, applied particularly to food and breaking of bread, and you can find that in verse 2 of chapter 7. And he's rebuking them over and over, calling them out, pointing out that though they have eyes, they don't see. Though they have ears, they don't hear. And though they are right before the King of Kings, King Jesus, they cannot recognize him as Lord, as Master. And though they are before the bread of life, they are missing the bread before them. So Jesus gives them a, a call to hear Chapter 7, verses 14 and 16. A call to hear with their ears. Not their physical ears, but their ears of faith. Which is another theme in Mark. And these two themes come then intertwined in verses 18 to, through 23. In which Jesus is calling them to hear. At the same time that he is dealing with the matter of impurity. Or what is considered to be impure by the Pharisees. He's showing that the Pharisaic law of pure and impure does not match reality. That means what they consider to be pure at the end is not clean at all. And what they consider to be unclean is actually clean. In another way to show that is that Jesus is going to show that though they have eyes, they do not see. And though they have ears, they do not hear. So he's going to use what is physical to prove what is spiritual. That sometimes... The physical reality does not match the spiritual reality. And what comes in verses 24 
through 37, which is our, our passage, and then a healing that Jesus does, is an illustration of the, that, that Jesus is trying to pass to them. That in some sense, the Syrophoenician women had all that the Pharisees were lacking. All that they were lacking, this woman, this begging woman had, as we will see. First of all, we see in verses 24 to 26 that she, have, she had a faith that hears. A faith that hears. First of all, our passage shows that what meets the eyes, it's very much a sign of complete impurity. What meets the eyes, it's, it's the most un- impossible scenario of all. We have here a Gentile, a Gentilic woman coming to beg before the feet of Jesus. It is important to understand that the scene that Mark is given here, Jesus is in the land of the Gentiles. He, he walked into the land of the Gentiles, which was already considered to be unclean by the Jews and by the Pharisees. And now, nevertheless, he's going to, to talk to these women, which would be even more unclean. And to give, make this situation even worse, the woman says in verse 25 that her daughter has an unclean spirit. Later on, this unclean spirit is going to be called a demon. But here, it is used the term, terminology unclean spirit to emphasize the point that this woman is unclean by all means according to the Pharisaic standpoint. So she's unclean because she's a Gentile. She's unclean because of the unclean spirit, and she's a woman, after all. So Jesus is coming here into this circumstance of completely impurity, or apparent complete impurity. And verse 26 even says that she's Greek, but not in the sense of her ethnicity, for her ethnicity was Syrophoenician, but in the sense that she was a Gentile. She was an outsider, a stranger, Someone that didn't belong to the tribe of Israel, that didn't have the same stamp of faith as the Jews had, or they thought they had. And this language of Greek and Gentile uh, is often used by Paul, as we'll see in Romans 1.16, which will play out in our passage. And although amidst the eyes, it's an appearance of complete impurity, This woman begs the Lord with faith against the odds, which is what we see in verse 25. She heard and she felt at his feet. There are many connections here. First, that the woman heard. She heard. So she heard not with her ears, uh, physical ears only, but she heard with her ears of faith. She heard and she recognized that that before her was not a simple man, was not a simple master with small m, but he was the king, the master, the Lord, and the only savior. So that woman heard and she felt at his feet. So the first miracle, although she's going to ask for a miracle for her daughter, the first miracle had already happened, that the Gentile woman came, came to believe in Jesus Christ as her Savior. And second, a close connection with the miracle that Jesus is going to do next. He's going to heal right next, right on the heels of this passage, a deaf 
and mute. So this woman, already before this man that was deaf and mute, this woman was able to hear and speak before the master. And thirdly, a contrast with the Pharisees, that before and after this passage continue to be blind and deaf spiritually. We can see that in chapter 8, verse 11. Chapter 8, verse 11. So after Jesus had already multiplied the bread, after Jesus has done many miracles, the Pharisees come and say, And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. So even though the Pharisees were walking with Jesus all this time, they were still blind. Not physically, but spiritually blind. They could not recognize all that Jesus was doing before them. They were still blind. And interestingly, in the Gospel of Mark, all those who hears and comes to Jesus are healed. All those who hear and come to Jesus have their petitions become true. We, we can see that. We, we will not read for time's sake, but we can see that in chapter 3, verses 8 and 10. Chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 10. So over and over in the Gospel of Mark, in every single event, those who hear and come to Jesus are healed. So in the same way, we can already start expecting what is going to happen, what is going to happen even though the appearances, the outward situation seems to be contrary. And she was in a continuous act act of asking him, beseeching him to heal him. The, the tense here gives the, this idea that she didn't simply ask him once, but she was continually asking him, begging him, begging him at his feet for him to heal her daughter. And here begins the dialogue, the pleading section between the women, the Syrophoenician women, and Jesus. And then we see that not, not only her faith was able to hear and recognize him as Lord, but was also able to speak, a faith that speaks, or a, a faith that pleads before the Master. If we, if we first saw that what meets the eyes were contrary to expectation, what meets the ears is also an appearance of complete rejection. That is because the first answer that Jesus gives to her is completely against what we would expect or what we would want. Jesus said in verse 27, But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. Again, an answer that would almost push her away, as if she had no place at all before the Master, as if she had no hope at all in coming to Jesus. And Jesus used here very well-known language for the hearers at that time, especially the Jews and the Pharisees who were hearing him. So first he call, he says that is, he shouldn't take the bread that belongs to the children. And the children here is from the standpoint of, of origin, that is, from the standpoint of which tribe does, does she belong. That is a very well-known language, how the Lord called his people in the Old Testament, his children, his people, his children, his firstborn, and how the Israelites were then therefore called his children. So he's saying to her, you are not what is commonly known as children. You are an outsider, a stranger 
Gentile. And he says that first, the, the bread should be given to them. And again, if we see now in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Romans 1, 16, For not, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. For the Jew first, for the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So Jesus is using here this picture that the gospel comes first to the Jew and then to the Greek, to, the, to those who are strangers, foreigners, outsiders, Gentiles. Nevertheless, the gospel comes to them. And interestingly, this passage is found right in between two miracles that Jesus multiplies the bread. Two miracles that Jesus multiplies the bread. First, chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. And that is in the, into the, in the Jewish nation, in, in, in the midst of a Jewish people. And the second time, after this passage, chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. And that is into the Gentilic nation. So we have this movement that first to the Jews then to the Gentiles. Nevertheless, we see the gospel coming and being spread throughout the world, throughout the nations, and being sent forth into all directions. So though Jesus is speaking of priority to the Jews, he was in the midst of the Gentiles, nevertheless. He was there, and he was about to do a great miracle to them. And that reveals that the glory of Christ cannot remain hidden, although Christ, as we read was trying to be hidden, trying to not be found. His glory cannot be hidden. His glory was being spread out into all the nations. And as he was going, he was being recognized. The Gentiles, those who were outsiders, recognized him. The power of the gospel reached far beyond, far beyond Israel in all directions. And it comes even to us today, beyond the boundaries of Israel, into all places. And a third image that Jesus uses in his rebuke is to call her and all Gentiles, in some sense, dogs. Dogs. And dogs was a very negative image. Again, reinforcing the idea of something that is unclean, impure. Not the same view that we have nowadays of dogs as pets, but something that is unclean, that is outside the house that is not meant to be inside, that is unclean. The same image that we can find in 1 Samuel 17, 43, or Isaiah 56. And Jesus is illustrating that what was in the mind of the Jewish audience before him, he was using the same words, unclean, dogs, you're not a children, the same words that the Jews had in their minds. He's using the same vocabulary that the Pharisees would, after this verse, say, Amen. We completely agree, agree with what thou hast spoken, Lord. That, that is it. Thou hast said. It's first to the Jews and not for them. It's not meant for them. It's only for those who are inside. So up to this point, the Pharisees who are hearing would very much have agreed. But though what Jesus was saying didn't meet what he was saying outwardly, didn't meet what he was doing inside what he was doing inwardly, in the same ways that what the Pharisees had outside didn't meet his spiritual reality. 
And what we have then is in verse 28 is once again faith against the odds. Against, first against the appearance that we saw first and now against the apparently rejection. What apparently sound as a no, go away. But she begs. She begs once again in verse 28. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumb. She answered and said. So she, she professed. She not, she not only heard, but she was able to speak. She was not mute by no means. She was able to speak before her Lord. She was able to plead before Christ, able to plead before Him. She professed her faith. She professed Him as, as Lord. Yes, Lord. Recognizing Him as her Lord, as the Lord. What the Pharisees could never done, what the Pharisees never did, she was able to do. Even before the miracle, even before she saw the breaking of bread, even before she saw any miracle, she was able to call him Lord. Yes, Lord. And then she does not dispute being unclean. She does not complain that he called her dog. She does not complain that he called her a second class in some sense, but she begged. She begged for grace. She said, yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table ate of the children's crumb. She didn't seek to change the image of being unclean. Instead, she recognized, yes, Lord, I am unclean. Therefore, I need thy mercy. I need thy grace. That She knew, she knew that there is no lack of bread with Christ. What the Pharisees never recognized, what the Pharisees were going to ask later on for a sign from heaven, she knew that Jesus was the bread of life. And even a crumb from his table was enough to bring grace to her home. So in some sense, we can say that she knew that faith is effective. Faith is always effective. And that's what we see in verses 29 and 30. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out, and daughter the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. For this saying, so first of all, because of her word, because of her plea, because of her faith, because of her act of continuous pleading before the Lord, just like Jacob did with the angel, oh, you shall not depart before me without blessing me. In the same way, she was pleading with the Lord. And for this saying, because of this word, because of the profession that she made, her daughter was saved. And we can easily apply this to prayer meetings like this. We can easily apply this to our own prayer life. As James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. Do we believe this reality? Do we believe this reality of pleading before the throne of grace? Pleading before the Lord? Calling Him, yes, Master, I know we are unclean. We know that we don't deserve, but yet, even a crumb from thy table is enough, Lord. Even a crumb from the bread of life is enough to bring cleanness, to bring healing, 
has the power, is effective to save. So the most powerful place on earth is on our knees before Jesus. The most powerful place on earth is not seeking outward, is not seeking outside to other sources, is not seeking any, anywhere else. It's on our knees before the Lord. It's on our knees before the only one who hears and is able to answer. Is before the bread of life. And sometimes the most powerful thing is not trying to, to show how we, we deserve. Is not trying to prove ourselves that, oh yeah, we deserve. Oh, I have been so good, Lord. I have been coming to church Sunday after Sunday. I have been doing this and doing that. No, it's being humble before the king and pleading for his grace alone. The most powerful thing is being humble before the king. And the women prevailed upon Jesus. And we can see in the Gospel of Mark in many passages how there is the... Uh, we can see the importance of pleading before Jesus. We can see that in chapter 2, verse 5, chapter 10, verse 52. But I want you... Just flip one page back to chapter 5, verse 34. In a very similar way, a woman that came to Jesus, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much, much people and was moving to comp with compassion toward them. Because there was, sorry, chapter 5, verse 34. Chapter, and he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and behold of thy plague. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Once again, coming to Jesus, pleading before him, not only in the Gospel of Mark, gives assurance that he will respond, but in, in the life of every believer, coming before Jesus, we can have assurance that he hears that he's willing to respond, and he responds to our petitions. Not always in the way that we want, not always in the way that we expect, but we can trust that it's always in the best way for the good of those who love him. We can trust that coming before him, professing him as Lord, coming before his throne of grace, and pleading before the king is always effective. And Jesus is going to multiply the bread once again after this passage, showing that there was no limitation of bread whatsoever from the bread of life. She was asking for crumbs. She was asking for crumbs from his table because she knew. She knew better than, better than the Pharisees. She knew better than many of the Jews who were before him that there is no such a thing as limitation of bread from the bread of life. So we can come to Him. We can come to Him with the same faith, a faith that hears, that hears the voice of our shepherd and king, a faith that speaks, that pleads and asks before Him, and a faith that rests, for it's always effective, for we can rest and know that He always hears our petitions, that there is bread from the bread of life. There is power coming from Jesus, that it always is effective. Amen. Let us pray once again. O oh Lord, our God,
How majestic is thy name, Lord. We come before thee, professing thee, Lord, as Lord and Savior, as all-powerful King Victorious. O Lord, we we do not come before thee affirming that we are better than we are. We know that we are undeserving sinners, Lord. We know that uh, by ourselves we are unclean. But, O Lord, we come before Thee asking to be cleansed, to be cleansed by the pure blood of Jesus and to be made whiter than snow. O Lord, we come before the bread of life knowing that there is bread in Thy table, Lord, knowing that there is enough bread to feed the multitudes, that there is enough bread to heal us from our sins and transgressions. So, O Lord, give us the confidence of that Syrophoenician woman before Thee. Give us the confidence to plead before Thy throne of grace, to bring our petitions without ceasing before Thee, Lord, to pray and pray and asking Thee, Lord, for Thy mercy, and to rest, to rest that Thou is all-powerful and all-good, Lord. So it is with this spirit that we come tonight to pray before Thee, and we ask for Thy benediction upon our lives, Lord. We ask that Thou may hear our prayers and petitions and bless us as we go out into the world, Lord. Help us to bring forth Thy Word and to bring the power of Thy Word to bring ears to those who are deaf and to bring sight to those who are blind as Thou has done to us as well. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.